0: Chairman Kozikhan, Dear Belahari, distinguished members of MEI, thank you very much for this kind invitation to come back to Singapore and to join you at this annual meeting. It's always an honor and a pleasure to come here, and every time I come, I come both with an opinion to share, but also with a sincere desire to learn from experiences here. And therefore, the, the title of the event today was particularly attractive to me given, uh, as was said by the senior minister this morning, the transformations ongoing in our region and in yours. That being said, I'm not a big fan of blind emulation from one area to the other. I think that's uh, a failed practice and one that's doomed to fail, uh, doomed not to succeed, but there are always lessons to be learned. The idea that the world is completely distinct, is simply incorrect, and I would argue also that we all live on finite resources that we need to learn how to optimally share because there are consequences. Most of my stay here will be in a listening mode, but to start, since I come from my region, I think it's important that I share with you some reflections on what's happening in the Middle East itself. As a precursor for uh, some of those who have not met me before, I tend to be a bit blunt. I tend to be candid. Uh, Please don't take my comments as being necessarily negative, Uh, but I'm an avowed internationalist in perspective, and when I make the kinds of comments I will make today, they're with the objective Uh, and the motivation to try to do more, both regionally, domestically, regionally, and globally. So my frankness is not pessimism, it's simply a thirst for better achievements as we look forward. To be fair, I will start actually with being very candid about the part of the Middle East that I am mostly affiliated with, in other words, the Arab world, and then move on to the rest of it. The first two weeks of November 2018, a year ago, over a year ago, were truly a shocking testimony to the state of affairs in the Arab world. A missile had been shot from Yemen at Riyadh. There were foreign interference in Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Yemen, a prime minister in Lebanon had resigned. There were major campaigns to, to uproot corruption in different parts of the world terrorist attacks were still happening, even in my own country in Egypt, and Libya was completely lawlessness. Uh, In effect, what you were seeing there was the breakdown of the nation state. A little over a year since then, with successes in the war against Daesh, the emerging, although albeit inconclusive, reconciliation among Palestinian factions in the West Bank and Gaza, some fleeting indicators of a thaw of the situation in Yemen, uh, a promising consensus, promising consensus in Sudan. Nevertheless, all of this has done little really to calm the anxiety prevailing in the region. In fact, renewed concerns in Libya, Iraq, Lebanon, even Algeria, have raised debates about reestablishing borders in the Levant and have witnessed the reemergence of discussions about not only borders but also identity politics, particularly in the Levant. All of these are grave fundamental, are indications, excuse me, of grave fundamental challenges to stability in the region. And they are testimony to the seriousness of the questions being raised as we look towards the future. The Middle East has historically been the theater of numerous foreign invasions, from religious crusades, European colonialism, it has suffered from greedy usurpation of its natural resources by foreign powers, from being a competitive battleground in in the Cold War era. Consequently, there are many reasons to blame foreigners for the horrendous state of affairs in the region. These are, however, not the only reasons for problems in the Arab world and the Middle East. Nor is blaming foreigners enough of a response. Whatever foreigners may or may not have maliciously done or unscrupulously promised, Arabs also made mistakes. Inefficient governance, engaging in holy ali- unholy alliances, and not sufficiently developing their national security and economic capacities are just examples. The Arab world, traditionally conservative, presently has a youthful constituency of almost 70% below the age of 35 the main catalyst for change. Alarmingly, the highest rate of unemployment in most of these countries is among educated youth, as the senior minister mentioned this morning. This is a tremendous waste of resources and the kernel of serious long-term socio-political problems. Youth unemployment is just one of the indications of domestic challenges that face the Arab world, disenfranchising the majority of the region's people from the future is a recipe for disaster in the making. But in these certain circumstances, apportioning blame, even among Arabs, really serves no purpose. It is time for an Arab reassessment and a strategic change in the modus vivendi. Arabs should recognize that indigenous reform is the best way to prevent foreign interference and defend national interest. The Arab awakenings of a few years ago, as costly as they were, embodied to a great degree a centrist middle class yearning for immediate change because of the absence of evolutionary reform and perpetual bad governance. Arabs must now take charge of their agenda and be the primary force in defining their future. They should continue to engage the world, strengthen relations and security alliances. However, they need to decrease dependency on others while increasing their own national capacity, including in national security areas, in order to defend against non-existential threats and deter hegemonic regional expansionism. This would enhance the Arab political influence and also strengthen the diplomatic tools to address legitimate Arab grievances and reduce potential military conflicts. The Arab world must be resolute in defense of its national identity as well. The nation-state system in the Middle East, while imperfect, is far cry better than religious or ethnic sectarianism, which will have a domino effect on instability throughout the region. This requires strong institutions, providing efficient governance and inclusiveness for all in dealing with different constituencies and stakeholders in societies. Arabs should ensure themselves multiple economic, political, and security options. They must build on past relations, yet recognize that the world is no longer bipolar or even Eurocentric. In fact, today's world order is rapidly changing as, as a course of many events, and technology alone is providing tremendous opportunity, but also functioning as a disruptive force in changing the geopolitical paradigms of the world order established back after World War II. The Arab world must confront regional hegemonic attitudes and illegitimate occupation of Arab lands, insisting on the respect for national aspirations for statehood and the sanctity of sovereignty. Tactical approaches or transactions providing short-term redress may appear attractive, but they are not sustainable and will ultimately fail. Ladies and gentlemen, in the light of these state of affairs, of this state of affairs, these are no doubt momentous challenges, which make it difficult to be optimistic in the short term. Nevertheless, I believe there are some seeds of change that provide auspicious opportunity in the medium term. Ironically, the most prominent of these is, in fact, the youth bulge factor, which can become a source of robust renovation if well invested. Another is the increasing recognition by peoples and authorities that they need to be proactive with all of the challenge that this this brings to the fore. (coughs) Excuse me. Thirdly, is the emerging economic realism, which is a recognition of the need to live within one's means, as well as the shift from resource to value-added economies, which is emerging, without which a sustainable development program will never meet demand. Fourthly, is the significant investment in infrastructure projects that are the cornerstone of traditional economies and regional cooperation. This is particularly evident, but not exclusively so, in North Africa. If we are to move forward, Arab countries individually and as a group must think and and plan strategically in order to face up to existential foreign and domestic threats to their sovereignty and security but also in order to seize opportunities for exponential growth and sustainable development. It is high time for Arab leaders to lay out their vision for the future of inter Arab relations, as well as on how they will engage non Arab members of the Middle East on the important opportunities and challenges prevailing. And last but not least on how they will provide for better domestic governance for their own people. In essence, If it is to remain politically relevant, the Arab world cannot remain complacent or reactive about the future, be that in domestic, regional, or even global affairs that have implications on the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, the non-Arab Middle Eastern players have also witnessed their challenges and transformations. In this, I, I, I specifically mean Turkey, Israel, and Iran. Some of them have to determine whether they want to be Middle Eastern states, in fact, or extensions of the West living in the Middle East. Others have issues of identity and whether they want to be a secular society or otherwise. Each one has their particular set of questions, but they share them as well. Um, There are, of course, other issues as well. And I would argue that in all of these cases, Pursuing policies that are a reflection of a balance of power are short-term mistakes with long-term consequences. I would argue that incursions in territories of their neighbors are violations of international law, whatever the uh, explanations are given. Uh, I would also argue that trying to pursue regional hegemonism beyond your borders is a recipe for continued conflict in the future. And finally, I would affirm also that occupation is a a, a situation which will never be accepted uh, if you're really trying to pursue for peace and security among nations within uh, the borders of, within the, the Middle Eastern region. Uh, these three countries need to look at their policies and uh, ensure that they pursue their legitimate aspirations in collaboration with, uh, w- with their neighbors, uh, with everyone, everyone, pursuing and respecting good neighborly relations. The situation in the Middle East, ladies and gentlemen, is, as I said, beyond doubt of serious concern. And we all share a, a part of the responsibility in where we are, although maybe to different degrees. But I would bear to add here that as difficult as the situation may be, the responsibility for threats to international order, which reflects our region, uh, an international order based on free, fair, and transparent norms also, and even more so, falls on the shoulders of the five permanent members of the Security Council, which is the the body most responsible for the preservation of peace and security. And I would say openly and candidly, I look at, with considerable regret, that the major powers have tended to apply uh, these norms subjectively and on a piecemeal basis depending on what is politically expedient. For the international community to move forward in sustainable development, ensuring peace and security. A number of basic principles need to be pursued. A fair, free rule-based system has to be applied without prejudice or preference. The international system, as I mentioned, needs to move from one based on the eminence of power to one based on the balance of interest. Democratic practices, ensuring stakeholders equal rights of participatory governance are not only possible, but are important, irrespective of the government system or the culture in one region or the other. But let me add here, it's not only at the domestic level that this is required, it is also required at the international level. And finally, on this point, diplomacy in different disciplines and domains should once again become the primary tool for the resolution of conflicts. Um, and responding to aggression. Let me, since I've been asked to talk about the Middle East, emphasize a point here. I sincerely and strongly believe that, from the Middle Eastern perspective, the Middle Eastern states, all of whom are medium-sized at the utmost, are best served by a free, fair, rule-based world order. Once again. Eminence of power alone is a fickle concept regionally and globally in the long term, and it will not provide security or stability. (coughs) I want to close with a few pointed observations. My first point is many of the problems of North Africa, excuse me, many of the problems of the Middle East from North Africa through the, from the Atlantic to West Asia and to the Gulf are in essence those of bad governance, be that domestic, regional, or international. Foreign stakeholders have exacerbated the issues, but the resolution has to be based on a national consensus with the focus coming from within the region themselves. Uh, And as we do that domestically, it is important in our choice of policies and, 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 and parameters, it is important to take into account that our Domestic consensus should not have implications that go beyond our borders, because those will ultimately uh, have bring will ultimately bring in opinions from beyond uh, our the region. Uh, there's no question, as one looks at the region today, that the situation, for example, in Lebanon, is a seriously complex, de- delicate situation. It requires a new set uh, of governance. Which is not sectarian, which is not based on sectarian apportionment, uh, and this really will require wise decision making where everybody loses a little bit of influence. Syria and Iraq have seen military violence subsiding, but it's far from becoming a stable situation. Uh, I have mentioned earlier that. Um, there have been criticisms regarding the policies of non-Arab states in the Levant, and I repeat that. It is important for regional states to deal with each other as neighboring states, looking first, not second, third or fourth, first at the regional perspective, and then at the, re- at the non-regional consequence uh, of their actions. Yemen is a case of overlap between domestic, regional, and geopolitical uh, interests, and it's a very complicated situation, but one which, in fact, could be the beginning of a solution or further exacerbate very difficult regional competition. Um, Finally, let me emphasize again, these differences are not about real estate but about different narratives, national identities, and national rights, and they need to be looked at fundamentally. I'm going to close with points, one of which at least was raised by the senior minister this morning. Uh, As much as I mentioned regional conflicts, and regrettably, they will continue, although they are all solvable. There are three more issues that will come up in the future that I do not believe the region has looked at sufficiently. The first one, as I said, was just mentioned, the shortage of water. Second is extremism, and the third is the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, including nuclear weapons. The lack of sufficient fresh water in North Africa, the Levant, and the Gulf area, and its distribution among different communities uh, is grossly uh, under, what is required and, frankly, unfair in its distribution. Climate change will only make this more acute and become, uh, and have its consequences on agricultural output uh, and requirements. And this very quickly could become a conflict area. Extremism, violent or otherwise, is a cancer that fuels hatred and incompatibility. States in the region and beyond need to work on this issue. In an era of globalization and connectivity, there are no borders to contain inputs or consequences of this. And finally, if you look at the region and the figures on weaponization and arms procurement, it probably has the highest rate of arms procurement in the world in comparison to its people and the number of countries. At the same time, the level of insecurity in the region has increased rather than decreased uh, Uh, as this has happened. This will continue if you don't have resolution of the political conflicts and it will continue if there continues to be a national security imbalance between the nations of the region. So I would argue that either we address our political differences and try to find security uh, in a rules-based system or Regrettably, you will find a region that will continue to fuel itself, wasting resources on armaments in order to ensure um, a, min- a modicum of security uh, at the consequences, of- at the expense of-, of the future. Thank you very much for your attention.